Hey everyone, this is Chaz. And this is Tyler, and we'd like to welcome you to the Mountain Peak Podcast. If you're looking for real, honest conversations about Christian life, theology, social issues, and pop culture, you are in the right place. We'd like to discuss the ins and outs of the faith, ask tough questions, and explore what it means to live a healthy and consistent Christian life. We're glad you've decided to join us, so let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Where was it? A thousand years. Hey everybody, I'm Chaz. And this is Tyler. And welcome to the Mountain Peak Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Genesis 1 and 2. The discussion of Genesis 1 and 2 has kind of been a dividing factor amongst Christians for a while now. Um, historically, scientifically, but why is it a dividing factor? Why does this discussion even matter? Yeah, well, I think it matters because it affects the way we understand the Bible. I think it affects the way that we understand God and how He interacts with the world that He's created, how He has interacted with us. Um, like a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast, I don't think this is a topic that determines our eternal fate at all. Um, but it's still something that's worth diving into as we try to understand more about God and more about ourselves. And so I do think it's important, but not something that's worth losing um, like fellowship with other believers over. So, you know, we might talk about some different opinions on this topic today. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to stop being my friend after that. It's not a promise I can make, but we'll try. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so we put out a poll for this um, episode, just like we always do. So do we have some results on on that that we can dive into? I've got those stats. So the first question we asked was, do you believe Genesis gives an actual account of the creation of heaven, or pardon me, of earth and life? A hundred percent of our poll takers said yes. So an actual account would be a seven-day account of creation. That's a lot. It's a lot of people mm-hmm. saying that they buy into that. All right. So the second question we asked on the poll was, "Do you believe in evolution?" So a hundred percent of people said that they believed that Genesis gives an actual creation account. That's how it took place. of people said they do not believe in evolution. 30% said they do. So there's a little bit of differentiation there. Um, So we asked everyone to elaborate. A few people did, and we've picked a couple answers um, from the group. One person said, I believe that it occurs on a relatively small scale. I don't know if all cats came from the same generic first cat or birds from a generic first bird, but I expect that within each species that happened to some extent. So what this person is scientifically t- 
talking about would be macroevolution versus microevolution. The, basically, the schools of thought would be macroevolution, everything came from one organism, started in the ocean, divided itself into multiple organisms. Um, those organisms created cells. Uh, they, af after millions of years, developed lungs and legs to walk on land and formed everything that's on Earth now. Microevolution is the evolution within a species. So um, a cat is a cat is a cat, whether that cat is a lion, a tiger, a house cat. Um, oh my. Um, a dog is a dog, whether it be a wolf, a coyote, anything like that. And basically different genomes of those, and I might be using these words completely wrong. But you sound really smart right thank now. Thank you. I took <laughs> biology in high school. Nice. <laughs> I think I took it in college, probably. I passed. Um, or I graduated. I don't think you passed college. <laughs> um, that statement there should, should tell you all you need to know about my college career. I passed college. Um, so basically, you have, the, you have recessive genes, you have dominant genes. So... As you know, this is why we have different hair color, different eye color. So with microevolution, those genes can form, can, can show differently in different animals. So that's why you get different versions of animals. Another person elaborated and said, I think there's evidence sufficient to prove that species can evolve over time. I also believe that my inability to understand something is not indicative of its connection with God. It's an interesting sentence. Yeah. What do you think they're trying to say there? I'm going to read that sentence one more time. I also believe that my inability to understand something is not indicative of its connection with God. I'm not exactly sure. It, it almost sounds like they're just saying just because they don't really understand how that stuff works doesn't necessarily mean that it did or did not happen that okay. way, maybe. All right, and then somebody went Old Testament on us. When asked about his circumstance, God told Job something that really stuck with me. God has a universal perspective, one that is incapable of being fully understood by man. Making your faith in God contingent on your comprehension of the world is hypocritical and doesn't seem quite functional. That's also an interesting statement. Yeah, I guess more or less just kind of like saying the same thing there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot that we will not understand about how God does things or why he does things. Mm -hmm. And I guess that last phrase there, it doesn't seem quite functional that they said. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people have the opinion that however the creation of the world happened like doesn't really matter, mm -hmm. you know. Because um, it doesn't change the way you live or something like right. that. Which might be true. Um, yeah, it seems to me that they're saying looking at God through a world view as opposed to the world through a God, a biblical view, isn't a functional way to look at things. Okay. Um, you need to look at the world through God as opposed to at God through what the world teaches you is how I read that. Okay. Email in if you wrote that and you want to correct us. Cool. So um, we do have a few more things on the poll that we can go over, but 
I guess one of the things I wanted to touch on that kind of ties into our last episode on the Bible and mm-hmm. our inerrancy and all of that was just our approach to this text. If you remember in the last episode, I was saying it's important that we understand the Bible first and foremost as literature right? before we're making any sort of theological assumptions or practical applications mm-hmm. from the text. So as we're approaching this text in Genesis, there's a lot that we need to kind of do to put ourselves in the right frame of mind to understand what it's trying to say. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing we have to ask is how would this have been understood by the original audience that is reading it? And is it appropriate to assume that this text is saying something about the material origins of the world? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to answer that right now, (laughs) but those are the types of things that we need to, you know, be thinking about as we are approaching it and trying to figure out what's going on here. I think to approach it with the mindset of, oh, this is saying something about science Mm -hmm. or how God literally created things could be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Science was very different then than it is now. Yeah. Um, So when we look at it as science, we're not looking at it from an ancient Hebrew scientific method type model. We're looking at it from today's standards. Um, so I think that has to be said as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely, we often talk about the understanding the culture and the context of when things were written. But sometimes I think people neglect doing that with the creation account. Um, but I, I feel that model still holds up and it still needs to be done. Mm-hmm. For sure. So... Uh, with these other poll questions here, I feel like they might kind of catapult us into the rest of the discussion if we want to. Yeah, for sure. Kind of go so, through this. As I click off of it. So the next question we asked was, <laughs> we we hit the big one here. Did God create the world in a few days, a billion years, or did He even do it at all? Um, so a lot of people said a few days. That was, that was the main answer we got. One person said, I believe it was a few days and that the earth is aged somewhere in the thousands as opposed to millions or billions. And one person said, it's hard to say. Whoever wrote Genesis obviously wasn't there, right? I, I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> and one person took it even further and said, six days on the seventh day he rested. Which, God resting. We could do a whole episode on that. And what it, we could. Yeah, and what it meant that God rest. He didn't take a nap. Yeah. Um, and also what it means to humans that the day of rest was the first day humans were alive. That's an interesting mm. concept as well. Do you have anything you want there, or do you want to move on to our um, one man, one woman question? We can kind of rest there for, for a little bit. So okay. I am not an expert on anything, really. I'm sure normal listeners to the podcast have picked that, up on that already. I don't know. That coffee uh, segment the other week was uh, Well, good. coffee, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I don't know ancient Hebrew that well. Mm-hmm. I am not able to discern, like, different genres of Hebrew writing mm-hmm. super well. 
But what I will say is that a lot of intelligent people who are a lot smarter than me have indicated that the creation account in Genesis 1 anyway seems to be in some form of Hebrew poetry. Okay. So if that is the case, I think we have to be open to the possibility at least that it's not talking about 24-hour days Mm -hmm. here. A lot of kickback to that that you will hear from people who do hold a literal reading of this text uh, centers around the Hebrew word yom Mm -hmm. or yom, Mm Y-O-M, which does mean day and can be used to signify a 24-hour day. However, it's also often used to signify... Um, different periods of time Mm -hmm. it's not only used to talk about a 24 hour day so um, I think you have to kind of look a little bit deeper into what's going on with the text beyond that word to try to figure out what we think about whether or not this was something that took place in six days or, or not there is a fairly common view that each day represents a period of time Mm -hmm. like a thousand years or a million years even Mm -hmm. Um, and even doing that though kind of is coming at the text with our modern scientific understanding of things Mm -hmm. and is not the way that I would try to understand the text Um, but that's a pretty common view that at least in some ways fits better with what we are learning about science right. and what we are learning about how long it seems the universe has been around, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know if you have any thoughts about the those responses there to add to that, but... Um, just a question that's, that's kind of on the top of my head. It's not a poll question. Nobody asked it in the poll. But, and if... You don't have an answer ready, no worries, because this is just something that popped into my head. But how can we have different accounts and they all be somewhat backed by science? How can we not have a definite answer? I'm not sure I completely understand the question. So there's young Earth. Okay. There's an old Earth view, and both have science behind them. Both have very, very intelligent people backing them. Um, so why is there not a consensus? Why do we have these... What piece of evidence are we missing? It's not like the evolution of man where if somebody catches a Sasquatch, then they've they've done it. There's evidence that backs both. There's the same evidence that backs both that people look at differently. I had a teacher in high school, a biology teacher, that said there's no such thing as a scientific fact. Science is not about facts. Science is about studying facts. Um, So is that maybe the reason? Is that we look at the truth and then we look at what's out there and then it just depends on how we interpret things? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. Because I think there's a myriad of reasons for why people don't kind of agree on this or why like one view is not the like predominant 
favorite view or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a matter of what well, we're just like missing some bit of evidence as much as we're not looking at everything that we have through the right lens. So like, I think a lot of times as Christians, we're a little bit wary of science as a whole because Mm -hmm. we feel like it doesn't fit into the Bible. Um, And a lot of times it doesn't. And so we kind of have this reaction to science where it's like, well, I'm not actually going to believe all of this unless I can find a way to fit it into scripture. Mm -hmm. I think the thing to do, a better thing to do is, you know, be open to what science is saying. Science, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, is just observing like what we're experiencing. Right. And I don't think that science is like some ploy of the devil to like (laughs) lead people astray from, from the faith or something. Um, So I think a better, way to kind of like understand you know what's going on there is to okay let's take a look at the bible let's try to understand the text as best we can within its um, context Mm -hmm. let's also look at science and see what that's saying and have a more like holistic way of forming an opinion okay um and so i think the problem is not so much that we're missing like a piece of evidence or something like that in but the problem is that I think on both sides, people don't consider everything that we have. Right. Yeah. So I'm, hopefully that kind of yeah, answers I, that. Yeah, but. I like that. So one, one thing that I've always thought um, since back to that high school biology class. Yeah. So with evolution, we talked about macro and micro. When, we, when I was in high school... You were in high school, same time, we're mm-hmm. the same age, so I don't know if you remember this or not, but there was, I remember a big explosion, maybe it was just in West Virginia, and we're behind the times, um, but a big explosion of evolution versus creation, and there were a lot of people who, I mean, I believe that there were arguments about textbooks during this time, yeah, about what they would teach in school, um, so it seemed to be the, the Christian thing was you had to denounce evolution. Mm -hmm. You couldn't believe in evolution and be a Christian. But in my mind, the way I was learning evolution, my teacher was teaching more of microevolution. So when I looked at the Bible and I looked further on in Genesis past one and two, we look at things like the flood. Mm -hmm. So in a high schooler's mind at that time, evolution kind of was a proponent to me that, hey, maybe this could have actually happened because if he took two of each animal, those animals bred and then those animals bred and then that's what caused so many different variations Um, that's actually helping the story of the ark and the flood just due to the fact that that makes it a little more plausible that animals could have died in mass extinction and then yet we could still have what we have today due to microevolution but then you have individuals who take it further than that, one of which you've mentioned on this podcast before, Mr. Ken Ham, the Australian in Kentucky. (laughs) Um, So 
he has a lot of backing. He has a lot of funding. He has a museum. He just built an entire life-size ark mm -hmm. because we mentioned one time that the Bible is very vague in some aspects and not vague at all in others. Mm -hmm. The ark is one of those things. It was like, here, grab your tape measure. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what it was like. Right. So do you think that there is a problem with perpetuating a young earth mindset in Christianity? Do you think it holds people back from anything, or do you think that it's it's fine, you believe what you want to believe, I believe what I want to believe? Well, it's it's fine in the sense that, like, I'm not going, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm not going to stop, like, hanging out with somebody or stop valuing them as a, a fellow Christian if mm -hmm. they believe in young earth or right. whatever. So it's fine in that sense, but I think there, I do think there is a slight problem, I guess, with trying to force science into a text like Genesis 1 and 2, mostly because I, contrary to what some listeners may think based on our last episode, <laughs> I value the Bible and I want, <laughs> I want to understand what it's actually trying to say, right. what God's actually trying to say through it. And as I mentioned in the last episode as well, I think the Bible is a culturally bound expression right. of God communicating with man. So he's using what they understood about the world at that time to communicate a truth about himself. And so in that sense, I think it we can run into some problems trying to trying too hard to like force science into that but i think it makes people feel comfortable if we are able to like fit some of that in there because mm -hmm. then we're like oh yeah see the bible is it's true yeah with um not just what it's saying about god but it's also true about science mm -hmm. and it's comforting for people to to do that so i can understand the desire to do that mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess one thing that I often wonder, well, you're, you're talking about like micro and macro evolution, and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, well, I, I'm okay with, you know, maybe buying into one of those ideas of evolution. But, um, you know, we can, we can see that things change. Absolutely. So we can't just ignore that in my mind. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything came from one like single-celled right. organism right but even like even if we say okay that happened i'm curious as to what the pushback is with people mm -hmm. with that type of thinking like what what is the pushback to theistic macro evolution theistic macro evolution am i using the right macro Mac right. <laughs> use the word macro correctly, but I don't know if you mean it in the context. Uh, macro evolution would be a single cell organism becoming a human being over millions right. of years. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious what the pushback is to that because a lot of people are kind of like, yeah, like I can see like things change, things like sort of evolve a little bit um, over time. Um, people start to look a little bit differently if yeah. they live in different areas right. or whatever, you know, animals Dialects. change. Yeah. Right. But as soon as you're like, okay, um, well, everything came from one cell. It's mm -hmm. like, no way. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Um, even if you have a, what I meant by like theistic macroevolution is like God is God using evolution okay. 
to create. I could see God using evolution to create in macro and micro. Um, so whether whatever you believe in, at this point, I mean, you can hate me if you want, but if you don't believe in evolution at all, I believe you are going out of your way to blind yourself. Like you said, things change. Mm-hmm. But personally for me, and if, if you have a different topic or, or issue you want to raise, email in, go to our Facebook page, our website, however you want to get in contact with us, go ahead and do that. Uh, but for me personally, I just don't see... I mean, there's a lot of talk about a missing link. Mm-hmm. I don't see the link between different steps of macro evolution. Sure. Uh, if, if things are always evolving, I mean, this has been an argument I've heard forever, but why are there still monkeys, and why, are there, why is there nothing in between monkeys and humans? So basically what that means is if people say, oh, evolution happened a long time ago, and now, it's, it, now we've hit the end of it, then shouldn't all monkeys be humans? Or if evolution is still taking place, where is the link between a monkey and a human? Where's I, I just don't see it. Um, so that's, right. that's me personally. Again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist or anything like that. So that's just what I have personally observed um, in, in my personal studies. But, yeah, definitely if you have other opinions, get in contact with us, and we definitely want to continue this discussion on and off the podcast. So um, we have an open discussion right now on our Facebook yeah. that people can go and, and give their opinion on. Um, just keep it respectful. Yeah, so I don't really know what I think about macroevolution at this mm-hmm. point. I'm not an expert on on that topic right. either you know so even like I don't I don't even fully understand what the scientific community would say about mm-hmm. evolution you know I think a lot right. of times so like what I mean is a lot of times I hear people say I don't believe that I came from a monkey right and I'm like well yeah I don't think that's what science the scientific community is saying either it's mm-hmm. about that missing link right. like there's you know something Else, I don't think people are saying, like, we are a direct descendant from mm-hmm. a monkey. But, you know, be that as it may, I think it seems to me a lot of the pushback with Christians buying into either micro or macro evolution is that on the surface, it doesn't seem like that's what the Bible is talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I think we get into some questions about the image of God and, like, can the image of God still be bestowed upon mankind through evolution and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of that? Um, and so when I've had discussions about this topic with other people, either online or in person, it kind of comes to a head there um, with, the, with what the Bible is saying and how we're understanding that text. But, yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for looking at science, looking at what it's saying. Yeah having an open mind about that and it's not like science is you might have mentioned this earlier but it's not like it's just giving us straight facts all the time so i also don't want you know people to be like well whatever science says like i'm just gonna buy into that thing but you know look into it consider it don't immediately write it off because you think science is evil or something like that i think another issue 
like you brought up is you don't one thing you said was you don't know exactly what the majority of scientists say I think we get bombarded with the loudest voices which are on polar opposites um, I believe there's a middle ground that we don't hear yeah and it's it's always the squeaky wheel that gets greased um, so if that's the saying I don't know what a wise saying <laughs> Um, I don't know if I've ever heard that. I'm an old soul, my friend. Um, but maybe that's not the scientific consensus. Maybe that's just what we hear because they they talk the loudest. Sure. Likewise, with somebody like Ken Ham, I think a lot of people in the secular scientific community look at Ken Ham and assume every Christian is doing this. Every mm-hmm. Christian is uh, has this opinion of the Bible and how science fits into that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ken Ham is a great guy. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I, I think a lot of listeners probably <laughs> enjoy some of his work. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't want to like slander him. Right. I we guess. don't know him personally. <laughs> right. But I don't appreciate the way that he handles the Bible, I mm-hmm. guess. But yeah. So well, what else we got on the, yeah. on the pole there? Yeah. That's, got, that discussion can go for a long time. But I definitely want to move on because I wanted to get into our next topic, is which is something that you have done a blog about. It's um, and and you and I have talked about this off of our our website, but mm-hmm. uh, it's about how man came to be. So the next question we posed was, did cre- God create one man and one woman from all from whom all humans came? So basically. Were Adam and Eve it in the beginning, and then they had kids, which had kids, <laughs> and then here we are today. A lot of people said yes. That was our our most received answer was just flat out yes. Uh, we pulled one answer that said, "I believe God started creation with one man and one woman." But who's to say that God couldn't have created more people after Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden? So, Adam and Eve, only people. They're cast out, they start having children, and God starts creating other people at that time. It's basically that answer. One person said, I want to say yes, but it confuses me that Cain was afraid other people will kill him. If they were all coming to Adam and Eve at this, or coming from Adam and Eve at this point, how could there have been, this person left the word out, how could there have been anyone for them, for him to have run into? I guess they'd all have to be related to Abel, so <laughs> they may be pissed off that Cain killed Abel, but I guess I'm curious as to how many people were around by then. It's an interesting concept of people Cain were afraid of. I've always been curious as to Cain's wife. Yeah. If there was just Adam and Eve, where did Cain pick up a chick? Yeah. The Tasty Freeze? <laughs> um, so <laughs> you've talked about this a lot. Um, especially about the temple setup and image bearers. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? There is a lot happening with Genesis 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Way more than we realize if we are reading it in modern English without an understanding of how... Modern English? You're not reading it King James Version? Sorry. Oh. Are you surprised that I'm not? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. You shouldn't be. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot that we miss if we just don't understand the, the context of what's happening there. And I don't want to 
I feel like a lot of times people say things like that, like, oh, you have to understand the context, understand the context. Mm-hmm. I don't want to you know, beat that into people too much, but... Beating a dead horse, another good saying. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that one. Okay. Yeah. But it is important. So there are other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts that we have now. And we haven't always had access to things like this. So mm-hmm. Some outdate Genesis, correct? Yeah, a lot of them are older mm-hmm. than the Genesis accounts. So we have Egyptian creation accounts, Babylonian creation mm-hmm. accounts. And in a sense, a lot of them are very similar to the Genesis creation account that we have. And I'm, I feel like I'm sort of getting away from the direct response mm-hmm to this poll question here. So I guess before I forget what to say about yeah. that, I'll, I'll answer that. But just know that there's a lot happening mm-hmm. with this text that doesn't make it as easy as just reading it and right. at face value understanding what's going on. And one of those things is like, okay, yeah, it seems like if you read this account in one uh, with one interpretation, there's one man and one woman, mm-hmm. and then suddenly... They have Cain and Abel, and then there are just people everywhere. There's a city. Cain has a wife, like yeah. you mentioned. And that was always really confusing for me as a young Christian. I was like, what is happening here? And uh, when I was in school, I took a uh, Bible, an upper-level Bible class on the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And my professor kind of went through and said, well, you know... If, Adam lived 938 years or whatever it was that he lived and you figure Eve lived this long mm-hmm. they had a long time to make a lot of kids mm-hmm. and it doesn't tell us like how long that's true uh, you know how much time is passing here so basically a lot of people are marrying their brothers and sisters for a long time is kind of what mm-hmm. was told to me I'm from West Virginia I've heard yeah, I'm sure you're very familiar with, <laughs> with how that works. <laughs> uh, and I was still very like uncomfortable with buying into that. Mm-hmm. Just because it just didn't seem like the text was saying that. It's just, right. you know, you've and got biology Canaan. shows that that doesn't really work. Yeah, it's if, not good. No, if, if you have, because brothers and sisters have basically the same genetic makeup um, and kids would be missing 50% around 50% of their genetic makeup because they're getting the same thing from mom and dad um, and that doesn't create functional children right it can create a lot of problems yeah Yeah, there's actually that reminds me of a I watched a documentary once about this royal family and Mm -hmm. I think it was Austria Mm -hmm. where in order to keep the keep the bloodline pure. the bloodline going yeah. and keep power within that family, they only bred within the family. Austria. And it's funny because this happened over the course of many generations, and you can see they didn't have real pictures back mm-hmm. then. This is like in the Middle Ages, but there were you know paintings and, and artistic representations of all of the royal people in this family, and they they already had a pretty like predominant chin mm-hmm. the people in this family but you can see like over like the generations this chin <laughs> is just like mm-hmm. getting bigger and bigger and more like deformed which i thought was hilarious so yeah inbreeding is uh 
not the way to go. Mm. But so anyway, I feel like I'm taking so long to answer this question. <laughs> Sorry, I sidetracked. That's all right. Um, I do not believe that Adam and Eve were the first man and woman. Okay. And I don't believe that... So you're not saying only man and woman, you're saying first man and woman. You don't believe that they were the first things human beings created. Right. Okay. So Genesis one twenty six says, God created man mm-hmm. in his image. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, because of the verses that follow that, we think, oh, that means Adam. Mm-hmm. God created Adam. Do we we don't get the name Adam until chapter two though, right? Or is it later in chapter one? I think it's in two. I think so as well. But I'm gonna look it up. Too okay. Much. Regardless, I think Genesis one twenty six is making a. Uh, it's talking about a general. It's using man in like more of a general sense, like mm-hmm. mankind. Mm-hmm. God created mankind in His image, which opens the door for me to believe that many people were created and we don't know how that happened that may have been through an evolutionary process that may have been uh, in some other other way i'm not sure but i tend to hold the view that god created many people Mm -hmm. from whom he selected adam and eve to be serving in this almost priestly role within Mm -hmm. the garden of eden so it'd be like ancient Israel and the high priests. Yes. So back to what I was saying about other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts mm-hmm. for a little bit. And hopefully I don't lose a lot of the listeners here because this, um, this can be kind of confusing. But ancient Near Eastern creation accounts all were talking about how the gods brought order and function to a chaotic world Mm -hmm. through the establishment of sacred space. Mm -hmm. Sacred space is symbolized by the temple um, in all ancient Near Eastern uh, religions, Mm -hmm. even in Israel. And so if you read these other accounts, that is something that is very similar to the Genesis account, the way that it's talking about God bringing order to the material world, giving it a function, and making it his dwelling dwelling place. And so one of the aspects of the temple, and you even see this into like Roman and Greek temples, you know, much later is that you have idols or images or representations of the gods mm-hmm. placed in those temples. They're placed there to to give the gods a physical like representation there, mm-hmm. a physical like presence. And so it seems like Adam and Eve are functioning in that way. They not only are the reflection of or the image of or the idols in the temple mm-hmm. um, 
But like you had mentioned, they also serve a priestly role. Mm -hmm. So they are there mediating just like the high priest would have done in ancient Israel Mm -hmm. in the temple. They're there mediating between God and the rest of humanity. And in that sense, they represent the rest of humanity as well in their actions affect affect everybody else so all that to say i know i've like we've (laughs) taken a long time and i keep saying it's taking a long time but all that to say i kind of have the opinion that there are a lot of people around Mm -hmm. and adam and eve get cast out of the garden they have cain and abel and there are already like cities or whatever Mm -hmm. around or congregations of people anyway where Cain can find a wife, where Cain can go to try to, you know, not get killed by these these other people. Right. So, quick fact check. This is the ESV version. So, right. Sorry about that. But Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man. And then 20, a, little, a little further on, 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's not until, and I just skimmed it, so you can definitely uh, correct me if if I'm wrong, but through the ESV version, it looks like the name Adam is not mentioned until verse 19 or 20 of Genesis chapter 2. Interesting. Yeah. And so even, I'll just say like a quick thing about the names there. Genesis was written in ancient Hebrew. Mm-hmm. This was a language that was not around until like the middle of the second millennium BC. Mm-hmm. So bear that in mind when we're trying to understand what's happening here. So uh, that means the man in the Garden of Eden and the woman in Garden of in the Garden of Eden, they're Names were not actually Adam and Eve, it's which like obviously those are English words anyway. Right. Um, but Adama, the Hebrew word, would not have been what that individual's name was. Mm-hmm. If this is representing events that took place at the beginning of creation, Hebrew wasn't around. Right. So to me, that signifies that the author of this text is trying to say something about these individuals with the names that were given Mm -hmm. to them and I think a lot of people immediately are like whoa (laughs) no no way (laughs) not gonna not gonna open that door Um, because the names have meanings they do and the author chose to use those names Mm -hmm. or God inspired the author to use those names for one reason or another and I'm not sure why that is necessarily but we we have to try to figure out what to do with that mm-hmm. Hebrew was not around uh, at the beginning of, of creation the lang- Hebrew language and so there's there's something more happening there with with the names mm-hmm. um, than, than we understand if, if we're just reading it kind of at face value all that to say, and I mentioned this in my blog post, uh, this does not mean that Adam and Eve were not historical figures. 
it doesn't mean that this is all a giant metaphor and there's nothing based in actual like historical events here Mm -hmm. all it means is that i think the text is trying to say something in addition to just the basic like history of it with the names that are used in there Mm -hmm. or with the names that are used there um john walton who is the professor of old testament at wheaton college kind of has the opinion that adam and eve serve as archetypes Mm -hmm. for humanity so um an archetype is kind of like a representative of and we see that used in other places in scripture so like abraham for example is used as an archetype paul uses him in the new testament as an archetype for all of those who have faith in christ Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that abraham wasn't a real person Mm -hmm. But in addition to Abraham being a real person, he also served as this archetype for future believers. Whereas Adam and Eve seem to be serving as archetypes for all of humanity at this time, mm-hmm. serving in that priestly role within the idea of the temple. Right. Did I completely lose you? No. No, it, it was... I understood it more than I understood your definition of why we celebrate Easter. When we celebrate Easter. <laughs> that one, I'm still not. Uh, moons, 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 eggs, rabbits, <laughs> Easter. Next Easter. I'll give that another shot. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. So our last question, we've already kind of discussed this throughout the episode, um, but we just simply asked listeners if evolution and creation could coexist. A couple people said yes, a couple people said no, keeping it simple. One person said not in the traditional sense, not the traditional definitions. I assume what they mean by that would be creation versus macro evolution. Um, One person said, yes, I think so. God created the universe and all of its components, whether they're living plants and animals or non-living like rocks, water, land, etc., and also created an order which they uh, follow. Within that order exist possibilities for certain traits to become more pronounced or to be more infrequent. It would be such as like, if you're a tiger and you live in the Arctic, your fur is gonna be white. Hmm. Um, But it's not, if you're a tiger and you live in the Arctic, you're gonna turn into a penguin. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the last, Thing we pulled from that is I hope your podcast will give me more information to form an opinion on that I wouldn't take our word for it we're not scientists so hopefully we gave you a little bit of something to think about but definitely look more into uh, researched journals uh, peer-reviewed things as far as that goes because as far as our podcast goes you're the peer reviewing this. <laughs> right yeah and I mean there's a lot of stuff out there I think I think it would benefit people to try to get their hands on some scholarly work mm-hmm. on on this topic um, I mentioned John Walton before uh, he is a brilliant professor of Old Testament who's done a lot of work on this mm-hmm. he has a few books out on the creation account specifically so you can kind of look him up but yeah I think can evolution and creation coexist we had kind of touched on that earlier 
near the beginning of the episode, but I would definitely say yes. I don't think those things have to be mutually exclusive. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like why could God, why couldn't God create through evolution? Right. Is kind of where I'm at, and I think the pushback to that is just well that the Bible like doesn't seem to say that. Right. But it also doesn't really seem to say what we would think it's saying if it were it's it's i'm not explaining this well it's it's very it's just very confusing right you know there seems to be things that are maybe metaphoric in there mm-hmm. um even uh one of the first things i mentioned in my blog post on this is that there is already material when god kind of like starts to do things right so genesis 1 1 is in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and void mm-hmm. and and so on but it mentions water after that mm-hmm. right and no there's no action happening there in the first verse in the first verse yeah. that's kind of like a prologue to hey this is what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. or what this account is going to say so nothing's actually happening there but there's already material and it's like that in all of the ancient Near Eastern creation accounts. There's mm-hmm. chaotic material that God or the gods in the other accounts bring into order, sort of. And so that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. we, you know, I don't think we would say that material like existed before God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think God is the source of, of all things. And so we have to right from the get-go we have to kind of be like okay maybe this isn't talking about material origins maybe it's saying something more about just the fact that god is the one who did create things Mm -hmm. and talking about how man fits into what he has created so i think i very much think that creation and evolution can coexist um i think we just have to continue to have an open mind about that stuff and you know be willing to admit that we might be wrong about some things mm-hmm. and continue learning you know it's right. all, it's all like a journey so i'm not i kind of have a view of what's happening in this text right now that mm-hmm. i might not have in 10 years right cuz i might learn you know different things but yeah another thing that you had mentioned earlier that I guess I want to touch on is is like God like resting at the end. Mm-hmm. Jesus says in the Gospel of John when the Pharisees are bickering with him about the Sabbath and mm-hmm. working on the Sabbath, Jesus says, "My Father is still working, mm-hmm. and so am I." Yeah. So it's not like God is taking an taking a nap, <laughs> right? And like it's not like he's taking his hands off the wheel or anything there. God resting, that language fits right into the idea of this temple theme Mm -hmm. in that once the temple is established, you know, the temple of creation, God dwells there. That is like the sacred space in which God interacts with people. Just like in ancient Israel, God would, his presence would rest within the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not talking about God like being tired and needing to take a break um it's talking about him uh his presence like resting within the or 
resigning is probably a better way to think about it within creation. Yeah, so I don't know if yeah. you have anything to say about it. I feel like I just talked for a long time. Oh, you did. Sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's a good place to end it. We're starting to run out of time, but uh, God resting is definitely a, a topic we could talk on for a while, so keep an eye out in the future. Um, I believe we definitely want to get into some more personal discussions as opposed to only theological topics so definitely keep an eye out for that if you have any recommendations be sure to uh, to get in contact with us if you have any questions comments concerns you want to share your story uh, you just want to have further discussion you can always contact us through email mountainpeakreflection at gmail.com our website has a community page now. It also still has the contact page. Uh, we still have the poll for the upcoming topic. So your voice is definitely one thing that we want included in this uh, kind of grand experiment we're doing with Mountain Peak Reflection, with the podcast, with the blogs, with videos upcoming. Um, there's going to be some behind-the-scenes clips from this podcast on YouTube. So... Definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you have a YouTube account, go subscribe and check out all our behind the scenes. If you're watching the behind the scenes thing, this is me recording in the podcast. You're watching it though, and hopefully you've already listened to the podcast. If you don't have a YouTube account, it's free. Create one and subscribe to us because that's also free. So that's just something you need to do. Um, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram. Tyler, specifically, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at TylerBWilson34. You can find all my blogs on our website, mountainpeakreflection.com. And, yeah, we want, we want to kind of launch into doing some things that are more helping us understand ourselves as people. A lot of what we've done thus far is trying to understand God um, and I think we can do that through understanding one another as well um, but yeah be on the lookout for stuff like that we do want you guys to be involved and be a part of the community that we are building um, where can people find you Chaz? I'm on Twitter trying to be more active and it's just Chaz McPeak because no one else on earth has that name <laughs> so I didn't have to fight for those handles um, the website, Mountain Peak Reflection, I put a blog out every Wednesday now because we have a lot of other things coming out on Mondays and we don't want to bombard you. So my blogs will be on Wednesdays and you can always catch me on the podcast, on the YouTubes. We're going to be, uh, be working on some videos for you there, so be sure to check that out. Um, other than that, you can definitely email in to talk to either one of us or both of us as a group. Um, but that, I believe, is going to do it for us this time. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. I want to thank our producer, Rita Dunn, and also Logan Patton for providing the music for the podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.